0: The Athletic
2: Totally Football League Show, the Thursday edition. Bournemouth put the cherry on the hill. Who's Baller gunning for flow? We round up the other latest transfers, look ahead to a big weekend in Leagues 1 and 2 and whip out our FA Cup-themed crystal balls. In association with Paddy Power, this is the Totally Football League Show. It is the classic TFLS lineup today. Listener joining me, Matt Davis-Adams, our Sam Parkin. Hi, Matt. And Adrian Clark's with us too. Howdy. Howdy yourself. Uh, Let's get straight into some transfer chat, shall we? I think James Hill to Bournemouth is the one that's catching people's eye. You can read about him on the Athletic and now, uh, Clarke—he was linked with Barcelona, uh, Bournemouth. I don't know. Also, has a beach and begins with B, so he, he'll be relatively happy. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, he'll probably get paid on time by Bournemouth. That, that's one positive.
3: Yeah, exactly. Can they? Can, can Barcelona afford him? That's the question. That's probably probably the problem, wasn't it? The, um, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good move for him, isn't it? He's, he's a young player with loads of experience. You got to say. Was he 19? I think he's, he's he's played over 50 games for Fleetwood at centre half. And it's quite unusual, really, to have, you know, teenage centre halves shining uh, at, at that level. So he, he's clearly got got a bit about him. I'm sure the, the scouts have been flocking to watch him um, when he's been fit. He hasn't played, has he, since, since early November? So they're taking a punt on him in the long term aren't they it's, it's not for not necessarily for the here and now they've got Cahill and they've got Lloyd Kelly but 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 it's great to have a talented young backup that will fit in with a style of play because he's he's a modern centre half that can be quick can read the play and, and can and he's decent enough on the ball as well so yeah it feels like a the right step for him and a smart move from the cherries
2: and also, Sam, it feels like one of these rare instances of a transfer that suits everybody, including Fleetwood, who get what is a massive amount of money for, for a club of their size that they, they can reinvest in in either new players or upgrading training facilities or whatever, but it'll go a long way a million pounds at Fleetwood
0: yeah, and uh, and absolutely credit to them for giving him the opportunity because I'm sure there was a number of clubs in the in the area in the northwest who probably didn't fancy him early early part of his his development so they've given him the the the, the profile to to go and kick on um i know his dad actually matt hill who had a brilliant career and i'm going to wheel out a huge cliche here but nicest guy you uh, possibly you know one of the nicest guys that i've met subsequently when i did my b license you know after the career he used to kick me when we used to play together but he comes from a good family. And I think Simon Grayson said as much in the athletic piece that having a, a role model in his, his father to, to lead him, I think is going to hugely benefit him because Matt was a brilliant player, good professional, but a great guy as well. So I think that's, that's abundantly clear to me that he's getting the right advice. I know his representatives as well. And, uh, in the summer, I was speaking to them about him and I suggested a couple of clubs, um, slightly lower down the ladder, and they laughed me out of town. So, you know, this lad was always going to go to a... I thought he was going to go to the Premier League, but he's gone to the next best, really, hasn't he, in Bournemouth, who should get promoted this season.
3: And what a good advertisement it is for the academy setups or the youth setups at lower league clubs, because, yeah, as Sam rightly pointed out, Fleetwood gave him his chance, and he got a first-team opportunity so much sooner than he would have done at a bigger club with a larger academy where, where players are often swallowed up. Good players can can disappear. And look, he's gone for a million pounds. He'll be on a great new contract at, at Bournemouth. There's more than one way to make it to the top of the hill, isn't there? And um, well, yeah, and James Hill has, um, has, has done that route. Uh,
2: just one that's breaking, just because I like the name. Barley Mumba has joined Peterborough on loan from Norwich for the rest of the season. So, welcome to the EFL to another terrifically named footballer. Uh, Brighton's Taylor Richards, rumoured to be going to to Birmingham. Matt Riley could potentially rejoin Russell Martin at Swansea. And what about Forrest and our friend Jed Wallace, Sam? He was brilliant when he was on on the podcast with us earlier in the season. He's been brilliant in the Millwall midfield for, for a couple of years ago. Millwall say Forrest offers... Thus far have been derisory, but he's out of contract at the end of the season, so you kind of gotta take what you can get for him, haven't you?
0: Yeah, that that's the point, isn't it? People are gonna have a have a go when people's contracts are, are running down. So, um it's a difficult position for Mill to be in, but Forrest will have to come up with something which will will tempt them. Um he's so important. I've said it numerous times. I can't think of anyone who's as important to their side in the in the championship uh, as he is. You know, maybe a, a Mitrovic right now or Solanke or someone like that. But in terms of a team not challenging right at the top, he is their main man week after week, season after season. It would it would almost be kind of the Jack Grealish scenario for Gary Rowett in the in the summer to maybe add three or four to make them a more complete team to hurt teams in different ways because. He provides so much in so many departments. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he deserves to be challenging, doesn't he, at the top end of the the championship? I would say, and maybe get a crack at the Premier League because the last three and four, three or four years have been so scintillating. So one to keep an eye on. But oh, I'd I'd take him in a heartbeat if I was any top championship club.
2: Forrest also linked with Toronto FC fullback Richie Laria, but but interesting with, with Wallace and Steve Cook, which is now done that the the start of the window, we were kind of hearing, well, Forrest might get a couple of young players. That's the way Steve Cooper wants to go. A 30-year-old, 27-year-old
3: championship mainstays would suggest maybe the thinking has shifted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in the here and now, I think Steve Cooper's in a hurry. It's been a great start, but he doesn't want to rest on his laurels. He wants to beef up that squad with the the type of players, the type of characters maybe that he feels are, are lacking. In the existing group, and and who can blame him for that? He's getting the backing, isn't he, of the board, who must be really impressed with with what Cooper and his team have done so far. So yeah, it's it's quite exciting. I think yeah, we, we, we cookie. Yeah, he got a very reliable player. We talked about him on the on the last show. If they can get Jed Wallace, that would be that would be a game changer. I think that would really really improve their their starting eleven. One thing on that Jed said when he was on our show though. He said that he had. there was no inclination, and I know players will say that, but I felt it was quite genuine when he said that he just loves playing for Millwall and that he's never going never gonna to be the type to push for a move. So, yeah, it would have to be a really good offer and the right place for Jed, I think, as well as the right deal for, for Millwall too.
2: Yeah, he said he wanted to play in the Premier League as well, didn't he? So, I mean... Yeah, so but Forrest,
3: Forrest,
0: I
2: mean, yeah. the best <laughs> it's been more than 20 years chip? now. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's the one move though, isn't it, Sam, that if you're a player, you've, you've got to get right 27, end of your contract. It's nice to want to play in the Premier League, but if you've got somebody who's offering to, to double your money or, or
0: whatever, it, that's the decision
2: that you make, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you, you do. Just sitting here now, it kind of evokes memories of Neil Harris making the exact move when he was obviously mm. just a hero at, at Millwall and um subsequently Hopeless moved forest, on. Yeah. yeah, had a couple of other clubs where obviously you have to take into account that he had his illness, um, Neil Harris, you know, right at the height of his career. But he went back to Millwall and um, rekindled that form almost immediately to become, you know, I think the highest ever goal scorer. So what I'm trying to say is Millwall is a very unique place, as we know, and you have to, get that move right. It doesn't always work out. Does he want to go down in folklore in, in South London, which I'm sure he will if he stays for the next few years?
2: Uh, Jed, if you're listening, more than happy to take you on a tour around Nottingham. Um, I can show you show you that brilliant chippy that's just down the road from the ground. We can go to the castle if you like. Anything that you fancy. You can go and visit the world's oldest tree. There's all sorts of sites. Um do come, please. Uh, tell us a bit about Flo Balagian, Clarkey. Somebody who you know well from from your work with Arsenal, uh, and it looks as though he's going to Middlesbrough with them paying all of his wages, which amounts to about forty grand a week, which is um, which is quite the backing from the Borough Board to, to
3: Chris Wilder. First and foremost, I was staggered that he was on forty grand a week. I think I, I think I don't think he's clocked up as many first team appearances as as I did back in the day, which wasn't that many, nine. Um <laughs> that's, that's quite some difference from what I was on, let me tell you, back in the day. Um, but there you go. Good good luck to him. Um he needs the loan. I think that that is what I would say. He's too good for the PL2. He's ripping that up. It's very, very easy for him. Scores scores a lot of goals. Um in terms of his style, he's not too dissimilar from, from Eddie and Ketia, for those people that, that, that have seen him. You know he's got good slippery movement. He's quite quick, very dangerous inside, inside the box. Uh, an adaptable finisher. A little bit for the for the older listeners, like a bit of an Andy Cole type type striker. Um, and I think he would would do really well actually at Middlesbrough. Who have been the ones most strongly linked with him. They're improving fast, creating more chances now. Great ammunition from the wings coming in at Middlesbrough. And and what they've lacked really is is a, is a goal-getter, a natural centre-forward. Um, Sporar's a good player, Watmore's a good player, but Valigan just smells goals. He's, he's, he's that type of natural finisher.
2: Uh, yeah, 10 games he's played for Arsenal, most of them in the Europa League. Sam, you, you watch a lot of PL2 football as well as a lot of championship football. Just how big of a gap is that going to be for him to bridge?
3: Well, it will
0: be. Um, yeah, I think League One, League Two, I wouldn't have any doubts at all from the, what I've seen of him. I mean, a couple of years ago when he would have been, you know, 17 or, or whatever, he was so impressive. So impressive when I saw him in the PL2. Yes, the, the the goal scoring instinct, but I was impressed with his awareness, actually. I remember a game at Aldershot against Chelsea when I don't think he scored, but you could just tell the way he took the ball in, brought others into play. He had an outstanding game and it kind of stuck in my my memory to the, to the extent where I actually recommended him to a few friends in the game Uh, this is going back a few years so he's he's always been on my radar yeah I'm not sure if it it means necessarily that he'll go in and start scoring goals in the championship because I haven't been there myself you're not going to get an abundance of opportunities so you have to be clinical as um, Anketiah was Clark he just uh, made the made the point that they're quite similar he hit the ground running at Leeds so be fascinated to see if he can do it but I've got no doubt in his his all-round game his attributes are are going to lead to having a really good football league
3: career. Yeah, his movements, his movements very sharp, and and I think that that might flummox a few a few championship defenders. But strikers rely on service, don't they? You've Got to join the right team at the right time. And I think Middlesbrough are hitting a, a good patch at the moment, and they certainly, I would rather be up front for Middlesbrough right now than than earlier on in this season. So yeah, if he gets the right service, I think I think he'll do well.
2: A couple of news lines before we do our previews. Aidan Flint's red card has been rescinded. Do you remember he was part of that melee in the West Brom-Cardiff game, or at the end thereof? Uh, Not a great start for Dion Charles at Bolton. He's apologised after historical tweets were unearthed, which included both homophobic and racist slurs. Wanderers boss Ian Evatt said, I was very disappointed to hear about the tweets that Dion posted several years ago. I'm pleased that he offered an immediate apology for the offence cause just wonder clark is it is it enough to apologize and for us to say well everybody does dumb things when they're young i mean we're just kind of taking him at his word there should should he be doing some kind of i don't know diversity awareness course or or do some some work in the communities that he's offended or or is it enough to just say it was ages ago i'm sorry
3: i think it would be nice if he took it upon himself to volunteer to do that I think that would be a really uh, the right thing to do and a good thing to do, and it would just banish those 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 tweets and those those doubts potentially over his character. It would banish it, wouldn't it? If if he was to volunteer to say, "Look, I'm I've changed. I'm more than happy to go out and do this," and he just does it off his own back. I, I'm not a fan of the cancel culture in in general and historical tweets from years ago coming back to to bite people who are then you know, lose work off the back of it immediately. i not a huge not not hugely comfortable with that. You know, someone someone's been sitting on this information, haven't they? Waiting for him to have a good moment, as as we like to say on this podcast. And in and in this good moment, they've tainted it, haven't they, by by releasing the information. So it's a in one respect you know I feel a bit sorry for him but he was the one who did it at the outset which wasn't very clever and he and he has to sort of hold his hands up and and, and accept the flack that comes his way now
0: I, I presume we're waiting to see if he's going to be fined or uh, given a ban by the FA but wouldn't it be beneficial for them just to put forward some kind of workshop or some some education for him to go to rather than putting the ban forward, that, that, that seems to me to be the, the the way that maybe the FA should go. And also it's about education, isn't it? It's about educating. And I think they get it at the top academies when you're talking about Arsenal and Chelsea. I'm sure the social media aspect of, uh, of the game and, and how high profile they're going to be, they're going to get spoken to, but it's about educating people at whatever club or whatever level they're coming through. And he's a, a good example because he came into the game late. So even if he was playing for a local side, it's about educating younger people right at the, at the start of their, the infancy of their careers. Yeah, Yeah,
2: there is precedent for this, isn't there? Uh, Andre Gray and Johnson Clark-Harris both got four game bans uh, for historical tweets, which came to light. So one would assume that's probably what he's looking at, but we'll update you when we know more about that. Uh, Right, it's the FA Cup third round this weekend, which means there's no championship, but there's still plenty of League One and Two action, which we'll get to next.
1: It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter Support Line. We're talking to Joe in Newcastle and Greg in Norwich. How are you feeling, gents? Oh, yeah, good. Optimistic, Paddy. Uh, but your team's at the bottom of the table. Why are you so happy? Well, I think I speak for Norwich and Oak Arsenal fans everywhere when I say we really fancy our chances of uh, winning the championship next year. Ah, huh. silver linings, eh? Just like with Paddy Power's Bet Builder, where well, you get money back as a free bet if one leg lets you down. Paddy Power applies to pre-match online bet builder bets with minimum four legs of at least one to five odds each, max free bet ten pounds per day, excludes enhanced match odds. T and C's apply. 18 plus. Be away. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Wickham Wanderers against Sunderland, probably the standout of the weekend's games in League One. Fourth against second, the Black Cats currently four points better off than the Chairboys. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth returned to the training ground this week after COVID. He'll be in the dugout here. Uh, Sammy nearly got the Sunderland job back in 2019, didn't he? He went for an interview. Do you, do you think he'll, he'll get close to a club of that size again or is, is he just a Wickham lifer?
0: Oh, um, I think there's been... There's been signs in the last, I'd say, six months that he's trying to be a bit more flexible in the way that he sets his team up. I've certainly seen them in the flesh where they've played a bit more uh, progressive, definitely pressing football. You know, they uh, we, we think of Wickham, we think of them, you know, defending quite deep. The gamesmanship, that was <laughs> definitely coming to the fore during their last victory at Charlton. I think that's dominated the headlines about that match. Um, and I th- even to the extent where I think a few of the, you know, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but a few of the Wickham supporters a bit disappointed with the play acting and, and running the clock down, et cetera, and kind of accepting that they had to do that in the championship to, to gather points. But now where they have the the ammunition, I suppose, to, to beat teams outright, I think it was a bit of a, yeah, a, a bit of a, a talking point after that victory at Charlton. But I, I do think he will move on. I do think he will. And I think, you know, he's shown at the moment, actually, that he can be really attacking with his lineups. Um, Mehmeti's playing in central midfield. He's like a kind of elusive little skillful number 10. He's playing in the middle of the park right now. So he's going after teams and trying to win matches. I think that's maybe something that may change this week. He's got two um, attacking Fullbacks playing the wide centre half roles as well, our mate Joe Jacobson being one of those. So I think he is playing, you know, different styles for for, for different matches. And I think that's what a club that's forward thinking um, is going to want in their new manager, unless it's, you know, moving to a club that's like for like.
2: A big game, this. So big, in fact, that Wickham have sold out the car park for it, <laughs> as they rather gloriously <laughs> tweeted yesterday.
0: You Uh, only need to open like a cow gate and that car park surely extends (laughs) for another like hundred
3: acres. (laughs)
0: Cow gate, is that a thing? Uh,
3: Their car park's always in the news, isn't it? Didn't the car roll down the hill or something from their car in their car park? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's been a
2: big season for the Wicket Wanderers. It's a high profile car park,
3: park, isn't it? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, Sunderland-wise, Clark, you might give a debut to Northern Ireland under-21 defender Trey Hume, who's joined from from Linfield this week. They're banging form, aren't they? Eight goals without reply in the last two games. You you promoted Rotherham on Monday. Are you taking Sunderland up with them?
3: Not quite as confident on Sunderland, but, but they are better this season than they have been in the last few. There's no doubt about that. They've got seven more points, actually, right now than they had at this stage last season, which I think outlines the progress that they've made. Under Lee Johnson, who's made them more exciting, younger, more dynamic, etc. So, uh, and less reliant on on one player to score the goals. That said, of course, Nathan Broadhead is is out, isn't he? For, it might be up to three months with that hamstring injury he got at Arsenal. So, that's that's not great. Um, but yeah, no, it should be a great game. 5-0, Tonking of Sheffield Wednesday was impressive. Uh, beat Donny 3-0 away. So, yeah, they'll go there looking to, to score goals. One little... Question mark I would have over them is their winning mentality on the road. They won at MK Dons on match day two and they've not beaten anyone away from home in the top 15. Top 15 of League One, they've not. who's currently in the top 15. They've not won away at any of them apart from MK Dons back in August. So to for me to put them in the Rotherham category, they've got to be going to places like Wickham and winning on a regular basis.
2: Uh, they actually lost at Wickham on their last visit to Adams Park, albeit that was back in October 2019. And now then, Accrington Stanley versus MK Dons at the Wham Stadium, where last Christmas Stanley won them a game, but on New Year's Day, their game went away. Uh, got postponed. MK, meanwhile, followed up their dramatic Boxing Day win at Lincoln with a goalless draw against Gillingham. It is 10th versus 7th, this one. Um, clucky I remember we were talking when would it have been November, John Coleman had this massive moan up about how they went out of the the pizza cup against Wigan. And he was absolutely fuming about this, that and the other and and everything to do with Accrington basically. Well, that seems to have worked because he's been nominated for league one manager of the month
3: for December. So sometimes you have a little moan and you get the results. Yeah, exactly. Just, he's an old, old timer. He knows the tricks of the trade. Just got to push certain buttons sometimes and it provokes a reaction. And, um, yeah, maybe his grump has has, has got Accrington's players and Again, four wins and a draw in their last six games. So they come into this game feeling really good about themselves. Three clean sheets in a row as well. They they drew at Shrewsbury, beat Rotherham 1-0, beat Bolton 1-0. So at the back, much better. And it's not that long ago that I think me and Sam were talking about how uncharacteristically loose they were at the back. They were conceding twos and threes every week. And... Um, yeah, I was looking at the goalie, actually, Toby Savin, who's back in goal, and he's got the best uh, goals prevented record in League One, which is impressive. He's effectively saved, according to Opta, 5.2 extra goals this season, Toby Savin. So um, they got themselves a decent a decent young keeper as well. So, yeah, that'd be a good game because MK were flat, weren't they, last time out? Um and that they'll, they'll be looking to react. So, um, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't see this one being, you know, 3-3, three, 4-3 three, three or anything like that. But Accrington have got a sniff at, at pulling off a bit of an upset.
2: Yeah, MK Flat, only one win in their last four, maybe the first sticky period for for Liam Manning. Sam, you watched them against Charlton in the EFL Trophy midweek. I'm guessing it was a, a much-changed team. But what did you make of them?
0: Yeah, seven seven changes. Yeah. Um, yeah, lacked a bit of cutting edge, I would say. And I think that's probably my biggest concern about them at the moment, which sounds probably surprising considering the, the ammunition we felt they had early part of the season. But ISA played by himself and was a bit isolated. Not sure that you know he's going to get an abundance of goals. So I do think their hopes just pin on them keeping hold of O'Reilly and Twine. I think if one of those was to leave during this window, I think that could have such a detrimental effect. And it's such a shame because I think this is their probably best opportunity of getting promoted for a number of years. Um, I I love Harry Darling at centre-half. He was in a pretty low-key affair on Tuesday. He was brilliant. You know, one of those that just repels so many crosses. You know, it always seems to be in the right place. Suits him enormously playing in the middle of a three because he can kind of, um, I wouldn't say cheat, but... Read the situation and steal the, a march on the striker. So he was impressive, but you know I'd, I'd I'd be a little bit worried if they were to lose one of those two. And I think it's a funny period now for them because sitting seventh in the league, I think the new manager's done relatively well since he's coming in, continuing in the same vein as Russell Martin. But I think all the fans are just worried about Russell Martin coming back and potentially nicking the centre half, or and Scott Twyne maybe moving. And uh, just on that, I had a lovely chat with Scott Twine's dad in the car park, Uh, who was parked next to me. Both of us frozen, lovely fella. He'd come all the way from Swindon to watch Scott Twine sit on the bench in the uh, Papa John's trophy and not get on the pitch, which I loved immediately. Um, But I didn't get the impression that his lad was keen on, uh, too keen on going anywhere right now. I think as we spoke about early part of this season, it was a good move for him to come out of Swindon where he wasn't playing, where he wasn't trusted by previous regimes, previous managers, um, to, to step up a level and play every week. He's done that and he's um, he's been magnificent. So he will get his move, but maybe it's not going to be right now.
3: How did, did he have a name tag saying Scott, Scotty Twine's dad or or did, did he recognize that. you? Did he recognize we you? We had
0: the, no, we were kind of lo- looking at one another and then post-match he started talking and I was like, that's definitely a West Country accent. And then yeah. it just kind of naturally, naturally came mm, okay. out. But um, okay. I think, yeah, very. Um, he's a, a Swindon man, so I'm sure he was uh, a Ofe with my exploits, Cluggy. <laughs>
3: yeah. And he basically, seen statue, yeah, basically, he, he recognised. He, he wanted to come and chat to the to the one and only Sam Parkin, didn't he? That's that's what, you're too oh, modest yeah. to say it. Yeah. As you can imagine,
0: there's about twelve cars in the the Valley car park for a, a, a fixture of such magnitude, <laughs> and we happened to be parked side by side. <laughs> So there you go. It was meant to be.
2: Uh, Right. Despite Steve Evans' best efforts, Adrian's BFF is still the Gillingham manager. His team welcome Ipswich to Priestfield. Uh, They had two games postponed over Christmas before drawing 0-0 at MK on New Year's Day. They're quite lucky, Adrian, to be only four points from safety because they haven't won in 12 in
3: all competitions. Yes, uh, October the nineteenth, the last win for for Gillingham. So yeah, maybe they're not cut adrift, are they? They're, they're, there's not that much to choose between some of the teams in the lower half of, of League One. They've rid this spell of postponed games has been a huge result for Steve Evans and for Gillingham because so many of their best players have been out injured: Dane Oliver, Max Aimer, Dan Phillips, Kyle Dempsey. Um, but they they were all back for the last game. so a uh, big bonus. And when they've got their full team out, when they've got Oliver up front and Dempsey sort of in behind then, then they can be a handful. So so yeah, I think they're capable of, of pulling clear. What they need to do is score more goals. They've not scored more than two goals in a game yet and that just puts so much pressure on on the defensive players, doesn't it to keep clean sheets. They've only actually scored twice in three of 23 games. So if you think in 20 of 23 matches, the max goal output is one, you're not going to win very often, are you? So that is the area that that they need to improve on in the second half of the season. They've signed a 19-year-old forward from Norwich on loan, Tom Dixon-Peters. Wouldn't surprise me if he went straight into the team um, because they they have to start scoring more.
2: Yeah, it would be his debut in league football, Worry he to feature. Uh, just the one game in charge for, for Kieran McKenna at Ibswich so far, Sam, they win it against Wickham. Maybe, as Adrian was saying about Gillingham, the, the postponements haven't come at a bad time because it, it gives him a chance to to work with his squad. But 11 points off the playoffs, surely too much to make up for a team who've only won back-to-back league games once this season.
0: You would think so, yeah. Yeah. Um... Although, I mean, you seem to speak so often about them struggling against the top sides. They've navigated this really tricky period, Wigan, Sunderland and, and Wickham, and come through unbeaten. And as a new manager going in, you expect the fortunes of some players to turn around. That's certainly been the case for James Norwood, who's, I think, three in four games since he's come back in from the cold. I think they were frustrated at our mate Paul Cook's inability or um, his, his lack of changes in terms of the shape and, and the formation. Well, we've seen two different systems already from McKenna, 3-4-3 with kind of a Luco playing as a uh, as a wide player and a, and a 3-5-2 with a Aluko playing as a 10. So he's played two different systems. They got a pretty elusive clean sheet in that game as well, coming up against a really robust Wickham uh, who throw everything at you, especially when they're chasing games late on. and. I would imagine this is something similar that they're going to face against Gillingham. So having come through that test, uh, Luke Wolfenden in particular was was magnificent. They'll be well set for this game against, um, against Gillingham. and it just feels like the supporters inevitably are really on side right now, 26 and a, and a half thousand at that Wickham game, which is just mind-boggling. and um, I'm sure they'll take a, a large contingent to, to Gillingham and expect them to to keep going really, considering they've had the, the new manager and a bit of a boost.
2: Yeah, Gillingham have only beaten Ipswich three times in their history. One of those was this fixture last season. Uh, let's get some odds on the matches that we've been talking about from Paddy Power here, represented by producer Abbott.
4: So looking at the fixtures, we've just been talking about MK Dons and Sunderland are the favourites in both of their games. They are the away teams, but uh, they're coming in at 7-5. to five, But the uh, the teams that are playing, Wickham and uh, Accrington, are close behind 17-10. Clarkey was saying he wasn't expecting Accrington MK to have a lot of goals. The most likely outcome, according to Paddy Power, is 1-1. That comes in at 5-1, if you fancy that. And Ipswich are the heavy favourites against Gillingham. They're 20-23 with uh, Gilles 3-1 to and the draw of
2: 5-2. let now, hopefully we'll get some 13s in the League 2 odds. That's where we're heading next.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
4: Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show.
2: A couple of games to look ahead to in League Two, then starting at Rodney Parade, just for an excuse to say Rodney Parade, Newport host Salford there, 7th versus 16th. Uh, Sam, it'll be behind closed doors. Any any effect on on either team as a result of
0: that, do you think? Um, possibly for the home side. Yeah, they can be quite a vociferous crowd there, I would say at Rundley Parade. Um, in the past, probably a bit of a dodgy pitch has, has helped them as well. Um, those two things in tandem made it a tough place to go. Um, but I think they, did they relay it this year? They certainly played the first four games away from home, if memory serves me right. And and the, the last of them was a 3-0 battering at the hands of Salford. So um, yeah, a little bit of retribution maybe. But yeah, it could play a part. I just think they they seem to be defensively just um, not particularly good right now. Um, conceded nine in the last four, Newport, which is not something, again, we'd have associated with them previously. So it's a bit of a dip. I'm trying to get into it a little bit deeper. I look at the midfield position. It's something we've um, spoken uh, in positive terms about but Wilmot's playing in the middle um more of a winger in, in my mind they lack a bit of steel in there really failed to to deal with a direct approach from Walsall when they were chasing that game the other day Dimitriu not available neither was Joe Day in goal i think if those two p- players played and they could maybe just reconfigure that midfield i think they come away with maximum points so Food for thought going in going into this game. Um, maybe a Scott Bennett or maybe even Dolan into midfield would just give them a bit more of a screen in front of the defence. But um, a little bit of a dip. And the other thing I noticed: best XG in the in the division, Newport. So maybe in a slightly false position.
2: But no, Kevin Ellison to knock them in. Uh, For a couple of months, potentially, he was attacked on the Newport Christmas night out. He's helping with some coaching, but he's uh, sustained facial injuries that mean he can't play at the moment, which is a horrible story. Uh, Salford-wise, Adrian only lost one of their last six, but well down on where they should be. It does look at this point, though, that that Bowyer might see out the season.
3: It's a huge uh, spell for Gary Bowyer, I think. Had they had more matches... In the last few weeks, and if results had been as mixed as they have been all season, then there's a chance to go. But might not be have been in charge for this weekend. But he is, and, and it's down to the players, I guess, to to put on a performance for him to show a bit of fight. I'm still struggling really to to see what what they're trying to do identity wise. Um, and then Matt Matt Lund was in quite good form before they had the layoff. Um, the last game was December the 18th. By the way, so so there's no real form line to go out here. Um, all I can say is that they've they've been really bad away from home. A team that I tipped, I think, to get promoted purely on the ba- on the basis of of their ambition, really, and, and their signings. They've got the third worst away record: two wins, one draw, six defeats. I mean, seven points on the road for, for a club like Salford it should shouldn't happen. Um, they've been linked. I don't know if you've seen this with Armand uh, Gnanduillet. The the former Blackpool player, who I think will have worked with Gary Bowyer, so he could be a game changer. He's at Hearts at the moment. If they can get somebody like him in at the top end of the pitch to add a bit more power and pace, that 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 might that might help them. But yeah, it's it's time they got their season going. If they don't, if they lose this one, lose the next, you'd you'd imagine that that the, the Salford um, owners would be thinking about a change.
2: Yeah, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but it's just popped into my head that Neil Warnock working for Gary Neville would be absolute <laughs> box office. So yeah, I'm doubting <laughs> that one. Um, final game we're going to look at sees Rochdale make the trip south to take on Colchester United. Big game at the bottom, this 20th versus 17th. Colchester had three games in a row called off before they lost against Crawley on New Year's Day. Just look at the major and think three points above the bottom two, but they'll stay up on the basis that Alderman and Scunthorpe look worse than them?
3: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Scunthorpe just sold um, Ryan Loft, didn't they? Um, that, to Bristol Rovers. So that's that's one of their better goal scorers gone. We know that Oldham are in a bit of a state. So, yeah, yeah, those two are, are the most likely. But, but I wouldn't say Colchester are safe at all. Hayden Mullins, we talk about managers under pressure. Hayden Mullins definitely feeling the heat at the moment. Fans have turned on him a little bit. They they're not sure about his tactics. I think he 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 likes a four two three one, and keeps sticking with it. But the same results keep keep occurring. I mean, if you take out Freddie Sears, who's been around for donkey's years, he's got eight goals. No one else apart from a couple of twenty year old midfielders have scored more than one. Um, Noah Chilvers and Sylvester Jasper are the only other players that have scored more than one goal. Aside from from Sears, so yeah, they need need a lot more going forward. That is for sure. They've had the fewest shots from open play this season, which again it indicates that that creatively they're struggling. So this is a big game. Rochdale will will play some football, and and they'll yeah, it should be a decent game. And they might get chances against a club like Rochdale, but they've got to be ruthless and, and get three points on the board here because the natives are getting pretty restless, I hear.
2: Rochdale, Sam, one of those teams it's difficult to get a read on at the moment because they haven't played since the 18th of December.
0: No, but yeah, just following on from what Clarkey said and probably the theme of my League Two predictions today, I think uh, aside slightly underachieving, in a bit of a false position, um, right up there in terms of the possession stats, but also right up there in terms of the shots that they they have joint third most in the division. I think third, fifth, sorry, best away XG, facing and Colchester have got the worst home XG in the division. So uh, they, they play some nice football. I just think their Achilles heel continues to be that defensive setup, defensive record. They've got O'Connell, um, in the heart of the defense, flanked by a 21 year old and a 19 year old, and um, it's still not particularly pretty there, as it was last year. They they shipped a lot of goals, and they're still scoring loads. They're um, the the highest scorers in the in the bottom half, so I th- I still believe you're going to get um, value for money when you go and see them. They got a good centre forward, Beasley, who's got four in the last two games. So I think they can mix the game up. They can play nice little short, intricate passes, but they can also put the ball in for him. So. Yeah, if I was going to go for it, I, I think they'll probably have a better second half to the season and get closer to the to the top than the bottom. And expect them probably to be too strong for Colchester in this game, despite them only having you know three places between them in the league.
2: Uh, Abby Paddy Power won't give us odds on all those games we've mentioned being postponed, but but they will do on the outcomes of the matches. So if you could furnish us with those, I'd be grateful.
4: Paddy Power going with what the table looks like. So, Newport and Rochdale favourites in their respective matches. Um, so, Rochdale are 13 to 10. There you go. Hey. Uh, Colchester 2 to 1 with the draw 23 to 10. And Newport County are 21 to 20. New Salford 13 to 5. And the draw 9 to 4. Can I interest you in some pizza trophy updates? Because as we've been recording, the quarterfinal draw has been taking place. And uh, it's very exciting because Exeter. And Portsmouth still have to play their round two match, which is tomorrow. And then whoever wins that game has to play their round three match on Tuesday, which means that the quarterfinal draw for Rotherham looks like this. Rotherham versus Exeter or Portsmouth or Cambridge. It's madness. (laughs) It's absolute (laughs) madness. The rest of the draw is Sutton versus Harrogate. Hartlepool against Charlton. uh, And then it's Arsenal or Chelsea under-21s against Wigan Athletic. So there you go
2: interesting just the two academy sides left in it and they play each other it's almost like that experiment has not really been worth it uh those odds you can find them and more at paddypower.com or the PaddyPower power app prices are accurate at the time of recording it's over 18s only terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops stop all right before we go as we mentioned it's epic up third round weekend uh, let's pick a couple of cup sets Shall we, Sam, You're going to Swindon against Manchester City. That that would probably be the upset to end all upset.
0: Yeah, that would that would pip Sutton beating Coventry, wouldn't it? You can still see that winning goal. Roofed it, didn't he? Whatever his name was. Um, he still gets wheeled out actually when Sutton have a big game. The guy that that scored that winner. See I can't also see. also Mickey
2: Thomas, Wrexham against Arsenal. Yeah, I think that's that was too. a good
0: that was a good strike, wasn't it? Good strike. Um, can't see it, unfortunately. Uh, even though Manchester City may make an abundance of uh, changes. Hopefully, Harry McCurdy will get a hat-trick or something. But um, I I fancy Borehamwood to beat Wimbledon. Luke Garrard, former teammate of mine. Wimbledon have done there. They've done enough upsetting themselves, haven't they, over the years? So hands on the other foot here. And Luke Garrard used to play, I think, for AFC Wimbledon. So he's in the Borenwood dugout. They're going brilliantly in the National League. One defeat in 12 games. This is their time.
2: Clark I'm hoping to get to the world-famous city ground on Sunday to uh, see the Clark-Patterson-Davis-Adams derby. Is that the shock you've picked? Obviously, it's not. Which one have you gone for?
3: <laughs> I haven't picked it as a shock, but, but would it be a shock? Obviously, Forrest beat Arsenal 4-2, didn't they, the last time? They visited the the city ground. So um, no, that would be good. I'm working on that game, obviously. And yeah, looking forward to it. It should be, should be tasty. It's in a lot of forest this season. Um, I'm going to Hull, Hull v Everton for the radio. So that's a potential shock, I'd say. Um, Everton have been pretty miserable lately, haven't they? Under under Rafa and, and Hull. Hull have got you know, potential match winners in their side, haven't they? The likes of Honeyman and, and Lewis Potter. So so that wouldn't surprise me. I'm gonna throw a left field one out there. Just just planting the seed. What about Cambridge United going to St James's Park and nicking a famous win at Newcastle United? I just it wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a monumental surprise for me. I just think Cambridge quite a fearless team. Young manager that 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 will will send his team out. To defend properly, but but they'll go for it when they get the chance. They've scored in ten of eleven away games, so they're used to going on the road and 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 causing teams problems. And Eddie Howe, if you cast your mind back to when he was at, at Bournemouth, I do, I can rarely remember him making less than nine ten changes for for cup games. He always made made you know wholesale. Uh, switches of players and, 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 as a consequence, got knocked out quite a few times by underdogs. So, just a little one. Obviously, Newcastle are huge favourites, but um, there's there's a shot there, I think, for Cambridge United. I just, just hope they go for it.
2: Yeah, and like many of the Premier League teams, the FA Cup very much not the priority for Newcastle at the moment. Um, I'm going to pick one, in large part because I'm commentating on this game, but Mansfield against Middlesbrough. To me, it looks as though there could potentially be an upset there because Middlesbrough will, one would imagine, be fairly under strength and Mansfield in decent form just now. Uh, there will be one somewhere, listener. We'll report on that on Monday when we're back in action. For now, though, from Sam, from Adrian, from Avi, and from me, many thanks for your company today. Enjoy the weekend's action. We'll speak to you again on Monday.
4: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad free on the Athletic app. And keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production.
1: The Athletic.